0: Shannon.
1: And I'm Rami, and this is Workplace Side Hugs. Side Hugs are short, sweet, and to-the-point mini-episodes where we give you quick advice or workplace hacks to get you what you need, hopefully, right when you need it. No matter what kind of hug we're giving you, the goal is always the same. Help us all build our workplace toolkit with a whole lot of empathy, without a whole new degree. This week, Shannon, or should I say, I was going to call you a different name.
0: Yeah, you could call me a different name. my like alter ego
1: we're talking about imposter syndrome
0: (laughs) yeah we're talking about imposter syndrome I think uh, this is something that we get asked about with our listeners a lot this is something that comes up with my clients a lot and it's time for us to break it down and talk about some tips for dealing with imposter syndrome but maybe first oh go ahead Rami is this something
1: you've struggled with Shannon?
0: yeah for sure but I will say that I can't, in the last maybe three years, I can't imagine, like, I, I, this isn't a word that I would use to describe myself in the last three years. But it plagued me for sure for the first 10 years of my corporate career, and even the first year or two of my career as a coach.
1: I, I want to start by asking you this question. Do you think this is something that and I, I don't want to make any broad assumptions here. I don't want to make any broad statements. Do you think this is something? In my experience, I've seen this happen a lot with my female coworkers mm-hmm. than my male coworkers. Mm-hmm. Is that something that you've also seen?
0: Yes, I think that's a gener- like. Yes, I think that's a generalization, and it does happen more in women. In my personal experience, that does not mean that it does not happen to men, though.
1: Agreed. I'm not saying that this is this is strictly happening to women i've just found that in my own experience with my own co-workers it's been a lot more women who struggle with imposter syndrome than men i feel like men just just go well no i'm supposed to be here right i i'm sorry have you seen me i'm a middle-aged white man (laughs) this is i should be here this is where i should be do you see do you see my suit this is what i do this is this is why i exist
0: yeah yeah
1: um so I just wanted to preface it with that. So this week we're talking about imposter syndrome. I think it has the ability to affect a lot of people. I think um, there's something, and we don't really talk about this a lot, but I'll talk about it right now. I think as a as a brown person, I think this is something from that perspective yes. I struggle with a lot. Right? I think sometimes the mentality for me is, oh no, I'm just like, I don't, ha- I'm not an imposter. Like, I can put on my like middle middle class white man hat and like go on my way and feel like i i should i deserve this thing but a lot of times for me at least as a brown person as a minority i think you always feel like you're an imposter everywhere right yes like why why am i getting these things why am i allowed to do these things Um, yes and so i think it does transcend gender i think transcends race i think i think everybody struggles with this i think there's just um a lot of a lot of advice that we have for how to kind of overcome this. So,
0: well, and maybe we should start by just defining what this is to make sure that we're all on the same page. So imposter syndrome is a psychological pattern in which a person doubts their skills, talents, or accomplishments. So that's like part one. So you have this pattern of doubting your skills, talents, or accomplishments. And then I think part two is, and has a persistent internalized fear of being exposed as a fraud. So you doubt yourself and you have this fear that you're going to be found out, if you will. So that's Ooh. imposter syndrome on the surface. If you just want to like check in with yourself and be like, oh, do I consistently doubt my skills, talents, or accomplishments? And do I have a fear that people are going to find out like I'm actually not good enough to be here? Mm-hmm. Oh, That feels heavy just like saying it out loud again. <laughs> like It just brings me straight back to those target days. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, so here's my first tip. And and this is a little bit going back to the definition that we just talked about. Again, remember that imposter syndrome is a learned, in in my opinion, imposter syndrome is a learned habitual response to fearful moments. We take it on as like thinking it's a part of our identity. Like, oh, I am, I suffer from imposter syndrome or I am an imposter. And we need to like stop that right there and say, nope, this is just like, it's a moment by moment response that I have. When I get placed in a fearful situation where I start to doubt, which path do I choose? Do I choose to go down the path of feeling like it's not okay for me to admit what I don't know? Or do I choose to go down the path of being like a, hey, cool, I'm not 100% sure that I understand this project or this initiative or this thing that we're trying to get across the line. And I'm going to ask some more questions. And I'm going to like be vulnerable and put myself uh-huh. out on the limb to make sure that I'm setting myself and my team and my organization up for success here. So that's the first thing I want us to keep in mind.
1: I like that. So to dig into that, though, I feel like with imposter syndrome, it's at least in the moments for myself and in the moments where I've seen my coworkers or I've seen other people in my life like struggle with this. I think being vulnerable is the easiest thing in that moment. If you're willing to talk to someone else. Tell me more. Because I feel like someone, at least when people have come to me, I've gone to other people. It's very easy to say like, oh, I don't. I feel like I don't know how to do this thing right now, or I don't know how I'm in this position right now. Yeah. Like I feel like that's, that's a very vulnerable moment. Yes. Which doesn't come along that frequently. I think especially in, in, in workplaces or even like with partners.
0: And you think it's easy to be vulnerable and say, oh, I'm not quite sure how to proceed or it's hard.
1: I think it's hard, but I think it's one of those places where I've seen people be the most vulnerable like it to me isn't. I don't think being vulnerable is is an easy thing. I think it's a very difficult thing, and, and you really you have to be willing to put yourself out there. I think the time I've seen my coworkers be the most vulnerable is in situations like this.
0: Yes, and I want to. My personal belief is how rare that actually happens. Because I think in a lot of our workplace cultures, we are programmed to believe that it's not okay to admit that we're unsure or to admit that we don't know. I think a lot of workplace cultures have the policy of like, God, I'm thinking about a client I was talking to whose boss kept being like, fake it till you make it, fake it till you make it, pretend like you got this, like, uh, like, bring the confidence no matter what you need to be more confident, you need to be more like sure in your positions. And I think that is so freaking toxic. And that is how we are feeding this mm-hmm. like imposter syndrome monster in a lot of people because we were we're creating these workplace cultures where it's not okay to admit what you don't know, yeah. and then it just makes it worse and worse and worse because then it perpetuates and then and then you really do start to fear that you'll be found out as a fraud because you're operating on basically like thin ice all the time yep. because you're pretending like look at me I'm this like adept hockey skater, <laughs> but really you could crash through at any minute because you are you are faking it then you know. Yeah. So uh, I think that really is step one is to just begin to tune in and notice those moments where, where you aren't sure if you, if you have the, the skills or the abilities or you're not sure what the next step is, and then recognize that that is a beautiful opportunity for you to be vulnerable and for you to begin to reshape the culture within which you work. Got it. Can I do a story time here? This is going to be a Please. long episode, and I, I think we just this. need to no, I love it. go with it. Okay, so I can remember after I had left Target, having lunch with one of my old bosses who had recently been promoted to an SVP level. And this person, we, we sit down for lunch or whatever, and we're, I'm congratulating her on this promotion that she got. And she says to me, you know, I think I'm the poster child for somebody who got promoted too soon. And I remembered thinking that moment, oh, no, she has the imposter syndrome, too. Crap, if it can plague her, like it can plague everybody. Mm -hmm. But here's the difference. If it helps to give an example for how I'm illustrating this first point, then what she proceeds to tell me is, so I surrounded myself with a team of people who knew more about the things that I didn't know anything about. And I raised my hand and I admitted I'm now responsible for this new, like, whole technology work stream. I don't know crap about technology. Uh-huh. So I hired people to help me make sure that we're going to be okay there. She raised her hand and she said, this is what I know. This is what I don't know. Here's how I'm building out my team to support myself to still be successful in this role, even if I don't believe that I am quite ready for it yet. And that's changing how you respond in those moments of fear, uh-huh. where she could have responded with the, like, puff up her chest, fake it till you make it like, look at me. And that's feeding the imposter syndrome devil within you don't feed the devil, dare to admit what you don't know, and get the right people on your team to support you and shoring up those resources.
1: Well, and I think to doing it right away, in a new role, new space, whatever it is, I think is gives a lot more trust from your leadership and from your team's when you're like, oh, no, I don't know tech at all. So, like, if we're going to do that, like, I need to bring in, like, we need to we need to support that portion of the business even more. I think that's exactly what companies want to hear. They don't want to hear that you know what you're doing. And then six months later, you're like, no, I have no idea. Yep. And, and all the ice just, like, crushed underneath me. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. So okay, so now like getting a little bit back on track with this episode talking about practical tips, I think like, how do you do that? The first tip that I have for folks who who think they're suffering from imposter syndrome is to get to know yourself really freaking well. Practice being intimately familiar with what you perceive to be your honest strengths and being intimately familiar and well willing to say what you don't know, and stuff that you just don't care to know. (laughs) Like this SVP, she doesn't care to know the intimate workings of technology. So she's going to let her team be the guide there and not try to take on responsibility for all that stuff. So yeah, this is this is a time for you to start being very honest with yourself and know yourself really well. Rami, what would be your tip?
1: In those moments, I think get an outside perspective. I think talk to your over-the-wall buddy, your partner, your roommate. Talk to them about like what you're struggling with in that moment. Like I've had coworkers come to me and say, look, I, I don't, I don't know how they're letting me do this job. Like, why should I be allowed to do this job? Mm-hmm. And then we just kind of sit back and we go, okay, well, look at all the things you've accomplished, whether or not you had the experience coming in here. Think about the things you've now accomplished since being here. Yes. Right? Like maybe you felt like you were an imposter at the beginning, but that shouldn't be the case now because you've proven that you, uh, you deserve the title you deserve, the compensation you deserve, whatever it is in your position now. And I think if you're still struggling with imposter syndrome six months, a year, 18 months after starting that new thing, then you really need to get some perspective and, and maybe getting it from someone outside of you will help you lock it in. Because if you're still in that position and you're succeeding in that position, I, I struggle a lot with thinking that you're an imposter at that point.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's great wisdom and a good way to get some outside clarity on what your honest strengths are so that you can start owning them and not denying them. Like, get get outside input there. Uh, My next tip, once we've got that sense, once you've gotten to know yourself really freaking well, is for you to begin practicing radical honesty with yourself and others. There are no more lies being told about what you can or cannot do. We no longer tell lies about what you are strong in and what you are weak in. Because I think a lot of imposter syndrome is based in lies, the lies that you tell yourself about things that you can or can't do, and the lies that you tell other people about things you cannot do. So just decide, no, from this moment forward, I'm going to practice radical honesty and let this SVP, beautiful mentor of mine, be an example of like radical honesty. I don't know crap about technology. I'm going to need to hire a team to support me in getting that done. Rami, what's your next step?
1: So I'm going to build on that. And I think in terms of radical honesty, I think the other piece of it is my my piece of advice here is, is make a list of the things you've accomplished and put it in the back of your notebook, put it in a note section on your phone, put it in, even just take those emails and put them in a special folder in your organizational method and review them when you question your ability, right? I think when I think of myself struggling with imposter syndrome, I think of managing a team and, and wondering why anyone would let me manage people. Mm -hmm. And then I look back on, Oh, well I got that person promoted and I helped that person make this pivot. And I helped this person with that thing. And here's what we did as a team. And here are these things. And it's like, Oh, okay. Like, I guess I have done things that validate my, my reason to exist in this position and my title and, and whatever it is. And I think, Reflecting on those helps validate what you've accomplished since you took it on, even if you're out of your element at that point.
0: Yes, I love that. I love that. And then to build on that. So once you've made that beautiful list of the things that you've accomplished, my next tip is to don't make it a big, don't make what you don't know a big deal. So I think a lot of people can make those lists and then they'll be like, oh, but I don't know how to do this or that or the next thing. (laughs) And in this job, I'm going to have to do that. Or with this project, I'm going to have to do that. I'm going to have to know things about technology. Don't make it a big deal that you don't know everything. Like no one is going to know everything about everything. Uh, And I think when we – let's acknowledge that for the unrealistic expectation that it is. Mm -hmm. So instead, how can you, again, practice radical honesty and just be like, I don't know how to do that. Can we talk about that? Mm -hmm. To keep that imposter syndrome, like devil monger within you small, because it gets fed when you start to tell lies or when you start to make it a big deal that you don't know things and you feel like you can't admit that you don't know things.
1: Okay, Shannon, let's role play here. You are the employee. I'm your boss. Yeah, I'm the I'm the fake it till you make it person. Yeah. You know that you have a space that you need support in. Right. Let's put let's say it's the technology piece. How do you go about getting that support for that area where there isn't as much strength where you know that you you lack the experience with a person who says fake it till you make it?
0: Yeah, what's coming to mind to me on the surface is to start by acknowledging strengths. So say, okay, so I'm feeling really confident. So I'm imagining my SVP, my old SVP coming into this area. And I'm imagining her coming into her boss and saying like, hey, awesome, thank you. Here's my 90 day plan for getting up to speed in this role. This is my honest self assessment of my strengths and my abilities. I think I'm gonna be fine here. I'm gonna be great here. I'm gonna be great here. I'm gonna be solid here. You know, it shows that you're not just one of those people or those women. I'm being a little bit derogatory. I don't, mean to be, but I guess I kind of do, who self deprecates all the time, you know, like you're yep. able and willing to acknowledge that you are good at some things. And then shifting the conversation to say, and I know that this is going to be a part of my new job function or project. And, and this is an area where I'm feeling yellow or red, if you do like kind of a like a stoplight approach, and I'm going to need some supports. Here are the supports that I've identified for myself. Same page. Cool. Awesome. Same page.
1: I really like that. Uh, okay, so just to take that away, start with your strengths. And then lead into the opportunity, the gap, whatever it is. Yes. And I think you're absolutely hitting it on the head. And I love that because you're saying, you know what? 90% of this, we're golden, right? Like, these are the things. I do this. I'm great. This is why you promoted me. This is why you gave me this job. Yes. This 10% is not not a strong suit. I haven't even done this thing. So, like, how do we get me support to make sure that we're at 100% as opposed to 90? And that this 10% may actually hinder us a lot.
0: Yes, and and taking responsibility by taking the first steps to identify the supports that you might leverage or mm-hmm. use, you know, so like you're not putting it all on your boss to shore up the gap, you're coming to the table, having done a self assessment, and able and having identified some possible resources, partners, people that you might need to leverage or in or where you're going to need to invest more of your time to support the work and moving forward.
1: Yeah, I really like that. All right, Shannon, what do you got for us? How do we, how are we doing this um, home?
0: The last tip that I have is when you're coming up in imposter syndrome moments, think about your values. So at its core, I believe people who feel like they fall, I shouldn't say people. When I was an imposter, what did I value? When I felt like an imposter, I valued image. I wanted to save face at all times. I didn't want to tell people that I didn't know stuff. And I valued Perfection. I wanted people to see me being freaking perfect all the time and everything that I did. So first, let's have some self-awareness and acknowledge maybe those things are coming up for you too. And how can you get in touch with what you value more than those things? So what do I value more than image? I value courage more than image. I value the courage to be able to speak up and raise my hand and say, this doesn't feel right or I don't know Mm -hmm. what I'm doing here. I need some help here. Here's some help that I think I might give myself to get better. And I value progress more than perfection because perfection paralyzes me. I don't know what it does for for you or any of our listeners out there, but what I know about myself when it comes to perfection is she paralyzes me. So how can I reground in courage and progress and taking the next step that is acting in alignment with those values instead of valuing image and perfection?
1: I like that. I It, it, it brings up a question for me. Do you think that uh, Enneagram 3s struggle with imposter syndrome more than some of the other numbers?
0: 1,000%. Yes. So for people who are not familiar with the Enneagram, Enneagram, there's nine types. Enneagram threes, we probably need to do an episode on this. <laughs> uh, Enneagram threes are the achiever, is their, their baseline. And I think this definitely is a characteristic that hinders Enneagram threes. I think it can also come up in Enneagram ones. They are known to be the perfectionists. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'll... Eh, no, I was going to say eights, but I don't think it's an eights as much. Ones yeah. and threes. It doesn't mean that other types can't have it too, but I think I, I see it over index in those types.
1: Yeah, I think that makes sense. Before we close out, there's a, a game that I've been playing called Among Us. Have you heard of this game? Shannon? No. Okay, so we're talking about imposter syndrome. So the way it works is you're all on like a ship. And you're just with, like, a bunch of random people or friends or whatever you want. And one person is the imposter. And so everybody has to try and do tasks. The imposter will try and, like, like stop them from doing the tasks or kill all of them. And basically, as soon as they find that, like, something weird has happened, they'll all start voting. But I really like the way that the shorthand has happened on this game. So people will be like, oh, I think you're different colors. So they'll be like, oh, I think green is, is sus, like, like, the suspect or being, like they're being strange Uh and i found that i always win when i don't ever say anything because the people who say things or like point things out they're always like oh no they push the button like it's got to be them so you do this voting and then you kick someone out and then it always says like you voted out green green was not the imposter and so it's like all right let's keep going and let's keep playing but i don't know how they got us anywhere but (laughs) <laughs> the imposter syndrome and among us because and there's imposters
0: in this game i've never even heard yeah. of this game is this like an app on your phone
1: you can play it on your phone i think you can play it on your computer
0: okay i don't need to no know more it's a thing it's gonna be dangerous for me i can already see myself being I'm, sus. I'm so sucked into it. i play phase 10 you know the card game phase 10 yeah. i play that on my phone all the time i need to uninstall that it. app i love it's it so addictive
1: i love it okay all right so, shannon recap us yeah
0: let's recap it okay so imposter syndrome First, remember to get to know yourself real well, be honest with your strengths, be honest with the stuff that you don't know. To Rami's point, leverage outside perspective if you need it to remind yourself of what those things might be. Third, practice radical honesty with yourself now that you're clear on your strengths and practice radical honesty with others. We are not going to play into cultures, workplace cultures that make us feel like it's not okay to admit what we don't know. It's okay, you can admit what you don't know. Fourth, Rami's tip, make a list of all the things you've accomplished in the back of a notebook. Five, don't make what you don't know a big deal. And lastly, keep your values in mind. Shift your values to value and courage over image and progress over perfection. With that, we'd love for you to connect with us on Instagram and let us know, have you experienced imposter syndrome before? What helped you get over it? What tip are you going to try? With that, I've been Shannon.
1: I have been Rami. I think we've You've been Shannon. I've been Rami, right? We're not imposters here.
0: (laughs) No, we're not imposters here. We really are Shannon and Rami. We promise. And we keep it as real as we can for you guys.
1: Real, (laughs) real, real deal. Yes. So this has been Workplace Alex. Thanks for listening.